Hello and welcome to Our Begunion, or Are We Isekai, the podcast I introduce inconsistently every week, where we have to watch Gundam Build Divers because COVID-19's a bitch. My name is Jeremy. I'm actually a fan of defense missions. I'm Tyler. I always play offense. My name is Zach. You know how I've said there have been things about the second watch that I've liked more, like Sarah and Momo? Yeah. Jesus Christ, this is the most frustrating episode of Bill Divers on a second watch through. <laughs> really? It's exactly the same episode as last week. Yeah, except now it's with a character we've actually seen before. Yeah, except for now they give the character a reason to be upset about his place, like we said they could last week. So it's not so much that it's the it's last week's episode again, it's last week's episode with the alterations we mentioned thrown in. Yeah, I was thinking about it, and they definitely could have just, like, done everything they needed to do last episode in this episode instead. Some of the Ayame stuff of last episode is kind of progressed here, but other than that, it's exactly the same story. Like, they were like, why do people cheat? Because they're afraid they'll lose their friends if they are not successful. Okay, so that's all the cheaters' motivation. Every single one of them. Not to get too far ahead, but the after the credits scene on this episode actually kind of reinforces that that's this show's philosophy. What, that people don't want to be left behind so they'll cheat in order to win? Well, that is the only reason people cheat. And to be fair, I think there is like a little bit of truth to that, but it's not a theme the show is actually willing to unpack. It's just the character they gave all their characters. I don't think most cheaters cheat because they're afraid their friends will leave them if they don't. They cheat because they want to win period. But why do you want to win? Well, that varies from person to person. And a lot of things like I want to win because winning is more fun. If you're playing like a sport, winning means you get paid more. Yeah. I mean, we could do like an anime style thing and be like, why are you fighting? Why do you want to win? And like I said, I think thematically exploring the different reasons people cheat is an interesting thing which is not what this show is interested in doing. <laughs> I mean, just remember, Jeremy, if it comes to sports, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. Sure, but this is not actually a sport, right? It's It goes down to the other problem where, you know, Riki's just like, oh, it's just fun, and the only thing that's important about video games is having fun. Because, again, this is not an exciting esports story. I might be interested in that. That, that would give a lot more reason to, like, why you might want to cheat, because right now we haven't gotten a... I mean, they're obviously the people who cheat because winning is fun, period. But, like, the way these are presented, like, the last episode and even... Well, this one, his motivations are a little different, but not by a whole hell of a lot that it makes a heck of a difference. Like, it makes it sound like, hey, we want to win because that means our standing will go up. Or My team wants to win because our standing will go up, and therefore, theoretically, like, it's a competitive scene. But everywhere else, it's like, especially with Riku, oh yeah, you're playing a game with your friends and having fun. So are they a competitive group in which the weakest link has to be removed for the sake of the team so they can win? Or is it just, I'm playing with my friends, it doesn't matter? That sounds like an interesting theme to explore, Zach. Get the fuck out of Build Divers. (laughs) (laughs) That's my point, is that they're not interested in talking about that, whereas that is actually the kind of angle that they needed to use. If they're going to be, like, winning, these characters are concerned that they'll be dropped because of winning. It's, like, only if they're a super competitive team. Yeah, and Doji's brother is super competitive, so he has more reason to, like, have this fear? I'm Yeah, I, I mean, we don't know if the other girls' team was like that, but since we didn't get anything out of them, but we know Ogre is... Well, the thing is, Ogre isn't really, like, 
he's competitive in that he wants a good fight or seems to want a good yeah. fight. Not so much that I have he absolutely has to win. He just wants that fight. Yeah, and he is completely aghast at cheating because, like, that's not what he's about. He, he is there for the thrill of the moment. The competition at his core is what he cares about. And, like, sort of the theme of this episode is Doji doesn't understand that, although he doesn't learn it either. And it's weird that he doesn't understand that, considering how much he hangs around his brother and how much his brother explicitly states his motivations out loud <laughs> on comms repeatedly. He's very confused by the Vor metaphors. Well, in this case... <laughs> I think it's not so much that his brother doesn't understand it. I think he's got the point wrong. He thinks it's about the win, not about the contest. So, like, he thinks winning is what matters, not is the contest fun to participate in. And so he's got the idea slightly skewed. Yeah, it's the confusing four metaphors. Yeah, and what I'm saying is I do not feel like over the course of this episode, he realizes his brother's position and why he is wrong, which is what the episode kind of should be, right? Yeah, I mean, that would make a lot of sense, but you're right. He doesn't actually learn anything, so you're right. It's kind of the same as last, it's, it's just last episodes, because it ends the same way with him crying and his teammates basically consoling him. We're getting ahead of ourselves because, like, this is the review of the entire episode, basically, but... <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like we can we can come with a... A pregame for sure. before we get into blow by blow. Well, I mean, once we actually get into the episode anyway, like once we actually start watching the episode, we start narrating what's going on. So talking about what, like, things that kind of pissed us off in the, fr in the first place makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like I said, frustrating is the word. It's so frustrating because we could have had this last episode. It could have been a better episode or they could have drawn that parallel, right? Anime loves the flashback to five minutes ago. And the themes could have been done so much better. That's, I think, the thing yeah. that's upsetting me so much. Is like, these are actually kind of interesting themes. Why does somebody cheat? Like, why would you cheat? I mean, the answer is because winning is everything, but... So, if you want to watch along, don't. But if you want to, for some reason, there's YouTube, there's Crunchyroll, there's Funimation, there's piracy websites, there's DVDs, there's television channels in Japan. You can find Gundam Build Divers. We're watching Episode 9, Return of the Ogre. So we start on a Boaku. There's a Pegasus-class assault ship. It's the end of Gundam, as far as I can tell. It's a combat, like, attack and defense type of gameplay right now. One team is defending, the other one is attacking, and they're attacking a uh, thing that looks like the white base. These new Gundam build divers Leos. Get torn apart by Ogre, who's like, I'm going to go devour the target. Get my six. It would be embarrassing if I got shot by a Leo. I think his team is like the most, outside of Riku's team, diverse in terms of like what everybody's driving. Because they seem to all come from different series. Yes. Like this team was actually designed as opposed to others that were just like a theme and let's throw it all together. A problem that build divers inherits from Gundam Build Fighters Try. Where it's like, let's make teams of three. Oh shit, it's really hard to make up three things. <laughs> I mean, it makes a certain amount of sense, because if it's just a throwaway thing, I mean, it's the same reason why throwaway characters don't aren't really designed in most series. I really like his teammate coming up and just assassinating this Leo by, like, chopping its head off from behind. What is this mobile suit, this, this black I one? I can't here? tell from this angle. I like the Maganac. Yeah, because the Maganac is like a good bulky mobile suit that doesn't get a lot of use. It's a good base to look different while still looking like... It's from Gundam, because it is. The girl has a Giradoga. And it's got a different gun. Like, she doesn't have the shield, and she's got a different gun. I like that it's got a glaive, because I'm just inordinately fond of glaives. 
I wouldn't be surprised if it was technically a Naginata, which I think is just a type of glaive anyway. Yeah, I classify them internally as a type of glaive, but... And so we see Doji hunting somebody down and firing a machine gun at them and just completely whiffing. Uh, then a, a big Leo comes up on him like it's going to do Leo things to him. But it explodes because uh, Girl saves him with her cool funnels. Yeah, I just noticed those are funnels. I didn't notice that the first time through. Giradoga has funnels. And so she's kind of uh, condescending at him. Teasing him. It's like, well, we did all the work. Now we just got to watch our boss 1v all at Baron. Which he does. They apparently set a new record. So it probably wasn't like a, a team, like a team versus team. It was probably no. a PvE match. I'm sure this is PvE. It seems super weird to me that Ogre would play PvE. He seems like the sort of guy who'd just be like, not interested. Here's the here's the only thing that I have that might do that. Number one, it would probably be decent practice if you can't get a another group. And if you have to participate in one of these missions in order to qualify for the random battle thing, they just say enter, but like, I feel like it'd be more of practice than anything else. As someone who is really into competitive fighting games... Something that I also really like is, like, time trials and, like, mastery elements like that. They feed kind of the same niche for me. So, I'm sure the writers didn't give that much thought to this character, but I'm going to. So they keep teaching Doji, like, hey, you really his brother? You really related to that guy? Who just one v would So we flash back to the post credit scene, and he looks down at a screen that he apparently just always has up, which is the break boost is applied, yes, no. Um, what the hell? <laughs> so the subtitle, at least on the YouTube version, says break decal, use me, spooch, like there's a little note written somewhere that it's translating for us, but there is no such note on screen as far as I can tell. This is different from all the ones we've seen before, and I think it's probably just because it's like, yeah, see, he has this thing, because all the other ones, they had to bring this menu up before they could do anything. I, I think we saw him bring it up. I think he is just like bringing it up and like, should I use it? Should I not? It's to show hesitation on his point. The last mobile suit on their team is a Rig Shoku, which is from Victory Gundam. That's the black one there? Mm-hmm. Those are not normally black, but his is, because it's ninja-like. Anyway, Ogre's like, oh man, this sucked. I need some, like, good PvP. This was hardly an hors d'oeuvre! I don't even care that I set my record. And then we get the opening. I am continuing to, like, overanalyze individual parts of this because I've had to watch it so many times. And something that I noticed that's really dumb in the intro where it, like, shows uh, Momo, Yuki, and Riku, like, walking at the screen is Momo and Riku have the top of their head change and there's, like, a little, like, blur effect when it happens. And the same thing happens to Riku, except his hair is exactly the same between the two. So there's no Yeah, because actual... he has no personality, so he did not change anything. So we cut to a soccer game that Momo is playing. I think she's in gym, although it does have the actual scoreboard. Well, Yuki and Riku are watching, and they're talking about break decals and how they've spread, and Riku's getting very serious about hunting down these break decal users and stopping them from ruining everyone's fun. I love how, like, Yuki is super, like, determined face or angry face. I did actually make the comment that, like, it's nice that they're doing something that Momo wants to do for once. She doesn't even seem that invested, though, as we'll see in a minute. But yeah. Well, she doesn't have to be because she won so easily. So. Well, like I said, I think this might be a situation where it's like the club or something like that. So she's not really paying attention because it's not actually a competitive game, really. She does come up and I do like that. She's like, oh, yeah, uh, good hat trick. I was expecting her to call her out and be like, I didn't get a hat trick. But she instead is, goes the, the super alpha and is like, I get a hat trick every game, dude. 
Like, on the one hand, that means that she's probably the star player of the team. On the other hand, does that just mean every other soccer team in your, like, little division is garbage? Uh, she didn't go to a soccer middle school. And she's like, more importantly, what about our battle random opponent? Dun, dun, dun. And Maggie's like, don't worry, audience, I'll explain. It's just MMR. Imagine if we had MMR, we only get it once a month. Yeah. This is matchmaking. <laughs> That's all this is, is matchmaking. But you can only do it once a month. Although I did, uh, uh, like, I immediately compared it to League of Legends' as Clash, where you build a team and then, like, there's an actual tournament thing. It's like, yeah, I guess some real-ass person determines the matchups. It's an awful job. I don't know. That seems like a pretty decent job. You're not doing anything for most of the month. Anyway, they're like, ah, our, our opponent is in. So they're like, ah, who's it going to be? They're like, ah, it's an Arctic-based battle uh, over a shuttle. With the Alex Gundam. It's the beginning of War in the Pocket, and we're on defense. Like, who's our opponent? And Arika gets wide eyes, and we see it's Ogre's team. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, so they show them all. Although one of them is listed as Cinnabar. His mobile suit is called something Cinnabar. Is it the Maganac? It's the Maganac, yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. The Maganac Cinnabar. Yeah, the pilot's name is Nuts, which is amazing. Well, that's Ogre, Doji, Rose, Obaro, and Nuts. Ah, Nuts. Although apparently this is one weird ranking system because we don't know what the other guys rank are, but all these dudes like Ogre's SS rank, everyone is at least A except for Doji who's B. And as far as we know, all of the kids are still rank C and B. For my sanity, I have to assume that rank is only about PvE content. (laughs) And they are matchmaking based on PvP experience. It is amusing that both Ogre and his brother have larger portraits than the others. It's clear who are the main characters here. Right. It's like, hey, those guys have names, and we met them before. And those other three, I don't know. Koichi can fight them, I guess. So they tell Koichi how Riku fought Ogre that one time and got beat. And also that Doji's kind of a dick. Riku's like, maybe we should cancel. And Riku's like, no. I look despondent in the press, but I'm actually super excited. We can't just walk away. You want to see how good you are in comparison to them, because it has been a while. You have theoretically improved from then. Which is exactly what he says. And again, what are the stakes? What happens if they lose? Nothing, probably. So why not try? Yeah, the stakes are personal. They actually kind of exist for this episode. I've talked a bit about how Riku is kind of a nothing character in the past, and like it kind of finally dawned on me why that is, and why whenever he spouts something, it just feels like the show is being generic instead of saying something about him. Because even right here, it's talking about his competitiveness, right? And bringing up that frustration talk he had with the champion. The thing is, Riku has never given anything up in this show, except for using Transam, which we'll get into in a minute. Every other time Riku has been presented with a choice, he has just gotten the thing he wanted at no cost. We have not seen him give up anything in favor of anything else. That's a good point. He hasn't had to decide, hey, I need to do this in order to improve instead of like playing soccer because I really enjoy that. I, I have to give that up in order to be better at GBN. Yeah. Or even like I have to sacrifice my mech for a few days to save this person. Storytelling at their basics, you start out with a character staking what they want and losing nothing over it. And as the story goes on, the stakes get more and more dire. And to show who the character is, you have them make harder and harder choices. Riku has not had to do that at all. And we are at episode nine. And when he does, as we'll get into, it's stupid. But he's like, yeah, I learned how to build from Shariar and get kicked from Tiger Wolf and beat up Rommel's team. From Rommel, I guess. Uh, I got two ringers. I mean, though the series does want to present Riku as some sort of, like, talented prodigy type of pilot character. 
Because it's a Gundam series, so of course the main dude is a prodigy of some kind. It's not even good at doing that, though. Yeah, I was actually just going to say that. We haven't seen him get better. We're just told that he's better. Like, we haven't seen him, like, overcome any particular hurdles or, like, make progress. Like, a training montage would have accomplished this if this were, like, an 80s movie. We did get a training montage. But it was not about him doing gunpla combat. Yeah. Or him building. We got a little bit of a building montage, I guess. But it wasn't like he built a bunch and we saw him failure and he finally got one he liked. It's the problem of the early episodes where they could have shown that, him getting better and better as he learned from all these people, but in all of those episodes, he got bailed out by the people he was talking to. So it's just compounding and doubling down on the problems that we talked about in those episodes. And here's the first real yardstick we have, right? Because at the very beginning of the uh, show, episode two, Ogre trounces this guy. And this is the chance to show his improvement, and the episode kind of punts. Well, I mean, it's it's doubled up because Doji is the first guy he beat. Ogre is the first guy he lost to. So, like, you have that dichotomy with the two because you could also use Doji as either a jobber or, well, that's, they kind of try that. And they kind of do. But like you said, then they get into, they just punt. And I understand with the rival character, the temptation is at the beginning, the main character gets trounced. In the middle, he holds his own but doesn't win. And at the end, he finally succeeds and is victorious. I understand that as an arc, and I understand why they want to do it. But because Riku did pretty well against Ogre the first time, and it was when they both transammed that he lost, it doesn't feel like he's doing appreciably better this time. Even though the outcome is better for him, he again gets bailed out, this time by the plot and stuff escalating, so it's better than the other ones, but anyway, he's like, yeah, I can use Ogre as a measuring stick, like Jeremy just said. And Yuki's like, I'm sure you'll do better, because you are better now. You've gotten stronger. We're telling the audience. Trust us. Koichi's like, yeah, uh, now you're actually good at building models, so I'm sure you can Transam properly. And then Riku just is like, I won't use Transam, and I'm like, well, you're a fucking idiot. Cut to Ogre, who is in a his Japanese-style force base, drinking some sake, uh, making a hot pot with his friend. And his girl is like, so as you know, Ogre, you are interesting, because you interestingly take the people you defeat and think are good and add them to your force, as you know, because you are you. I wonder if this is actually <laughs> his base, or if this is something else, because there are a whole bunch of additional people there, so it's probably not the same type of base that the Build Divers characters are using. I'm pretty sure it is, because we'll have it in a moment. They'll say, hey, are you sure we have to go? Couldn't we send the B team? And I'm pretty sure those are the B team down there, because that implies he's got a much larger force than the Build Divers have. Okay, I must have missed that when I was watching this earlier. So anyway, uh, Ninja Guy is like, oh yeah, you fought the guy with the double O before and you didn't invite him in, so he must not be very good. And then I was like, yeah, we don't need our best guys, but uh, Ogre's like, he's different now, so we have to go all out. And Doji's like, no, I'll trash that punk. I'm the best. We did see Ogre watching their game against Rommel, right? We did. And he said, hey, I guess he won't be a novice forever. And, and even then, I wouldn't put it past. Like, I'd believe it if the, even if they didn't show him watching that because it was broadcast everywhere. So his team keeps teasing Doji about like, yeah, didn't he like kick your ass kind of? And he's like, I'll get him back a hundredfold. I also have built a new Gumpla. Which actually looks kind of cool, though I don't actually know where it came from. It's another age. It's the like next one on the line from the one he had previously. Oh, okay. It's the upgraded form, I guess. I guess it's 10 years later because age has time skips, but... He doesn't admit, like, obviously he's about to say that he has the break decal now, but he stops himself from admitting it. So he just comes off as a mysterious anime protagonist. I have a new secret move. I thought everybody's just looking at him and then like, yeah. 
his brother like, don't show me a distasteful battle. So cut back to the build divers, and Koichi's like, uh, you're not going to use Trans Am? Why not? And Riku's like, uh, because it went bad last time, and I promised I wouldn't. Sarah warned me not to do it, and I ignored her. And Sarah should be like, yeah, but it's fine now, like Koichi said. Like, my worry was not, oh no, the Trans Am, I hate the color red. It was, it's going to break your Gumpla, and I'm the Gumpla Lorax, so I went to stop you. And she also already forgave him over that? Like, he apologized and she said it's fine? If we're given the series the benefit of the doubt, this is saying that Riku values promises he makes, be probably because of that, now more than he cares about winning, which is interesting characterization. However, the show does not do a good job of presenting that. I thought he also said that he would use it until he was good enough to use it without breaking his Gundam. I think he said until he was good enough to win without it, actually. is I don't remember the exact wording, though. Maybe I don't remember, and I'm not going back to watch it. Saying I, I want to be good enough to win without it, like, that's a challenge you give yourself once you've already won. Like, right here, you're, un- you're intentionally tying your hand behind your back and trying to fight one-handed. It's just plain dumb. I'd be lying if I said I'd never done that to try and improve myself, though. It's actually not a bad training strategy. I just think it's bad if you actually want to win and, you know, that's your goal. If you're practicing, it's one thing. And I also, I personally think it's a bad idea not to practice with tools like that because then you're not used to using them. You know, practice as you plan to play. But intentionally choosing to build a Gundam out of Double Lot and then deciding not to use one of the most powerful elements of the Double Lot Gundam, it'd be like building a Wing Gundam and then be like, I'm not going to use its gun. And specifically keaping the gun on it, right? Yes. Because it would be like, if you're like, I want a melee suit, actually the wing is very fast, I should base it on that. That makes a degree of sense, right? I I get what you're getting at. I am a little more on Riku's side than you are, certainly, Zach, but I think the show does a really bad job of, like, expressing why he doesn't want to do it. But again, this is the first thing Riku is giving up as a character, so... And and this is, like, us debating on our level, not, not based on what the show is saying. It's just different personalities how we look at these things. So I feel like you want to move up because like you don't immediately jump to Ogre, who we know is really good. Like He's specifically been called out by a couple of people as being really good. So maybe don't try and uh, style on him without the Trans Am. Yeah, again, though, I don't think he's trying to style. I think he's just kind of like, I want to see how good I am without it. Because like, I, I think Riku is like Ogre in that the competition is what matters to him, not the victory, even though he's not explicitly said that. Well, he, like He does say that he wants specifically to fight the champ, not necessarily to beat the champ. So I, I would definitely agree with that idea. It's just the series hasn't done a good job of presenting Riku as somebody who likes the contest. He gets frustrated when he loses, but he hasn't lost in so long. He's probably not thinking about that. I think even if you like the contest, you can be frustrated by losing. Well, certainly, but that's a reason to want to avoid losing, is what I meant, that he's probably not thinking about. True. But maybe he doesn't care anymore. Who knows? Nah, he's riding high. He doesn't think he can lose. (laughs) So Ayami's like, what if he uses Trans Am? But then Koichi points out, it's like, well, it's not like my uh, mobile suit has Trans Am. There are strategies for defeating it, but you have to take that into account. I still would wonder exactly how how they balance the systems against each other, so like, how do you balance Trans Am against a mobile suit that doesn't have Trans Am? You don't, which is why a meta would emerge. But again, the show isn't interested in talking about that because all of Gundam is equally the best by all 
of our play sets and toys. I'm pretty sure <laughs> that if you included Trans Am, depending on how exactly the G Gundam ones worked, Trans Am would basically be the meta. If you weren't running Trans Am, get the fuck out. Well, it, like the gold mode that Domon has seems more effective than Trans Am to me. And like, how do you program a zero system in this? The gold mode that the G Gundam ones have, like, how, like, depends on how you trigger those, right? Because those are specifically like, meditation things like those aren't i pushed a button and turned it on but but tiger wolf did it anyway koichi goes into the downsides of the trans am which is that after using it you're depleted and you're much slower than before so if you can outlast them you can win and he's like it's a common strategy among high level players yeah didn't you watch fast and furious riku whoever uses nitro second always wins (laughs) (laughs) that's how racing works it depends if you use Nitro at the wrong place, you could lose. Anyway, Koji's like, well, if that's what you want to do, I'll support you. And Yuki and Momoka are like, yeah, us too. And Ayumi's like, whatever, dude. If you want to fight with one hand tied behind your back, fine. And then he asks Sarah her permission to keep his promise, which is such a weird, such a weird thing to do. But okay. She's like, yeah, I don't care anymore. She's like, dude, I forgot about that. These cookies are good. Uh, Patrick Colasar <laughs> is about to watch the match as we cut to it about to begin. I think he has changed affiliation because I think that was a different uniform again. It was. They slowly make him harder and harder to spot as the series goes on. So we get our uh, launch announcement sequences. Which I think is completely unnecessary. Yeah, but Tyler, you can't skip them. Oh, no. I feel like this one is padding for time a little worse than normal even. Though we do get Ayami actually announcing herself this time. So we find out that it is incredibly broken to be the defender in this particular scenario. Uh, Maggie is explaining the match to Sarah because he had nothing better to do today. It's also fine to explain to the viewer, like, here are supposedly the stakes. They can't let them destroy the shuttle or get wiped out. I mean, we already kind of assumed the wipeout part. But the fact that there is another objective... That makes it different from the battle they fought earlier against Rommel's squad. It's a little weird that they just left Sarah behind because they usually take her with them. They didn't. She's here in the base with Maggie. But usually she's in a cockpit. But this is too serious. I also didn't realize that that she and Maggie were here. I thought they were back at the hub thing watching it. No, don't be ridiculous. They get the VIP seats in the base. Well, I mean, if you can do that, that's kind of like a neat idea that you could always just have people as spectators. Like, I would wager that anybody on either of these guys' friends list could theoretically do this. Yeah, that would actually be a good feature in this hypothetical RPG. No, thinking about it, not Ogre's team being allowed to be watching it from this side of things. Because it would be way too easy to tell, like, to, to feed information. That's why you got that spectator delay. Anyway, Sarah doesn't seem to care, but she nods along for Maggie's benefit. And then we get the announcer line of, this is Riku's revenge match. So apparently the Ogre squad is all aboard a submarine. Yep. And Ogre's like, oh man, I hope this battle is worth feeding on. So they're like, yeah, for Hayaki, that's the name of our force. And Oji's like, yeah, yeah, for, for force. I mean, on the one hand, it's nice that they actually told us what it was, because since it was just in the Japanese character and wasn't translated, I didn't know what it was. So it's an awfully good thing that the uh, all of the mobile suits are actually water-capable, because they get dropped out of the bottom of the sub. Based entirely on ladder stuff, I assume that they got to choose to go by sub, and they could have chosen to go by air or some other method. Gotcha. Okay, and here's where they start talking about how being on the defense is actually kind of broken. 
Yeah, because they have a bunch of turrets and stuff they can set up. Although it sounds like as the attacker, you could like find them out and just go any other way. Yeah, but the fact is they have emplacements. Yeah. Do you think that like in Siege, the fence is broken? In Rainbow Six Siege? Yeah. Because you can place turrets and stuff in that. Yeah, it just strikes me as very similar. The, the turrets that are in that one you have to man, and I think they actually took that out. There is nothing that is just an automated defense thing, marring like mines and stuff, which take a lot of time. But these are these are saying basically you can't count like with the turrets, it just counters aerial attacks. But we will see they are not relevant to this fight at all. They have more than normal defenders' advantage of the enemy has to come to them is far more important. Yeah, I just think that if you have it, like, where, okay, the defenders get these turrets, you'd also think that the attackers would get some AI units. In any reasonable game, both players, or both teams would play offense and defense, right? Yeah, there's that too. But that wouldn't be as exciting, so here we are. One match only. Because then the main characters could lose the first match, Zach, and it would be tense about whether or not they could win the second match for a draw, and we can't have any of that shit. (laughs) You don't want the audience too engaged. Well, so you can't have any bad people. Or conflict. So, like, we basically have to go through these canyons or under the water to get to the shuttle, and we left Riku there as our last line of defense and blew up the water channel, so they can't go that way. I mean, that makes a little bit of sense to have Riku as your last line of defense, since he is theoretically one of your best players and his mobile suit is faster to intercept anybody. Yeah, and it's kind of melee-focused. Mm-hmm. Well, I would say mostly melee-focused. So like, yeah, if they're lying in the way, it'll be up there and the right as Momo and Yuki just start shooting from icebergs. I found it weird that they left Momo to be on harassment duty because the uh, cap hole doesn't seem like something that should have that many lasers. Yeah, but like, what else do you do with her if you're closing off the underwater route? Fair. Yeah, so like they closed off the routes that she'd be good at. So it's like, she's not going to do anything else. You might as well have her just bullet hosing this particular canyon. So the more experienced pilots are like, okay, let's just not do anything, Karis. And Doji is like, 1v1 me at Baron, bro! And he just goes hauling out and just nobody hits him. Like, this is Stormtrooper level aim. I take it more as because we see the other two jump out and, like, the build divers distracted that as soon as he jumped out, the more experienced members immediately did covering fire. Yeah. We saw the shots hit behind him. So, like, they were currently firing at him when he moved. But they can't hit because nobody is, is good at this game. Clearly. Nuki's like, sorry, Riku, one got past me. I dropped one. Meanwhile, Ogre is going the other way, or I presume down another route that gets caved in. I mean, that's not a bad plan. Try and collapse the canyon on top of him. Which manages to split him up from Rose, but... And then Ayami fails her sneak attack roll again. As a ninja, you'd think she'd be better at it. Her head is different in this shot. She's a unicorn Gundam. Her stealth mode is unicorn mode. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And Ayami's like, yes, I also suck and ma- didn't manage to finish her off. Uh, Koichi just takes slow pot shots at Ogre, who just fr- charges right at him. I assume that the reason why he's firing slowly is that he has a heavier caliber cannon and it just fires slower. It has a slower recycle rate. Yeah, I just I assume he would use a bigger gun, I guess. It just seems like he's shooting a pea shooter to me. I think he. I think his has like the artillery cannon and then like a high caliber cannon in his left arm and then he's just got the big old hammer. Uh, but then Ogre just goes right past him instead of flying at him. And he's like, sorry, Riku, I also suck at stopping these guys. But Doji arrives first. Very dramatically. 
I mean, that is actually really the the Giraga, I guess is what it's called, is actually kind of cool looking. Yeah, I think it's actually pretty rad. I like the ideas in Age and some of the mobile suit designs a fair amount. Some of them suck. The character designs are awful. So the mobile suit designs have to make up for it. That's perfectly fair. Anyway, Rika's like, I know you. You're that jerk who tried to cheat on my first day. He's like, yes, my brother is watching, so I have to crush you. And he's like, should I deploy the brake decal? No, probably not. He would probably not be into that. I'll just beat you here and now, and that'll be that. So he draws his sword and charges at Riku. Like, it won't be like with my old one. My power is... Riku's like, ah, he's real strong, but I've le- I'm real smart because I hung out with Tiger Wolf. Then we see him push back and then cut away from the fight. Cut to Momoka, who's... Panicking. Roll- <laughs> rolling around. <laughs> I do really like this, actually, with him like trying to play whack-a-mole with her. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got his daggers out and he's like stabbing and she's just rolling around. It's like, God damn it, sit still. Especially with those dumb feet stuck out. I love the Momoka pool. Those feet are great. <laughs> so stupid. And then, of course, Riku is in a gun duel with the Maganak. Yuki. Or not Riku, Yuki. He's like, I want to go help Riku, but I'm pretty pinned here. And Kuichi's like, yeah, same. I am less of a ringer than previously implied. But he's like, I can just hold this one on my own. You go help Riku, IMA. And she's like, you sure, old man? He's like, yeah, I'll manage somehow. And she's like, okay, bye. Well, it actually is a better idea since... She can probably get there way faster. And they need to stop them from actually destroying the shuttle. And since he's in a one-on-one, it's like, we don't need a one-on-two here. We just need to, like, we're on a timer. All we need to do is survive till time. So kept back to the double-O diver ace, which has Doji's Gumpla on the ground with his gun to his head. Just shoot him. Like, <laughs> this is, like, would be super dramatic if there was actually, like, a cost here. But <laughs> since it's not, it's like, I win. Okay, just wipe him out. There you go. Anyway, Doji's crying because that's what you want in your focus character, right? And again, just like last episode, it's like, uh, I worked hard too. We saw even less of it than we saw you working, but I did. Assume I also had a montage. So why do I suck so much? Why does everyone love you for no reason? Riku is at least breathing heavily. But then uh, before he can do any sort of falling blow, there's an ogre here. That's why you make sure to put them down quick. Uh, Riku doesn't seem concerned about that as he's like, oh yeah, my, my rival. I can have a shonen rival fight now. I got all warmed up. I... I don't know, beating up your brother. You know, like the good guy in a shonen rival fight does. And Riku's like, it's not going to be easy this time. Then we cut to Doji watching them. As they sword fights. And it does seem to be more even, although Trans Am hasn't been used yet. And Doji's like, oh man, if I beat him, my brother will have to respect me. That's how respect works. Notice me, senpai. (laughs) I've made the exact same joke. So with, with a shaky hand, he hits the cheating button. Riku and Ogre cross swords, and Ogre's like, ah, it's not enough. I need to get more of your taste in my mouth. I need to swish you all around my mouth and then swallow. (laughs) You can handle it now. Use your Trans Am. We need to have a sweet Trans Am duel. And Riku's like, I won't Trans Am. Because I can beat you without it. I'm going to style on you. And Ogre's like, I'll take that bet. He's like, that's my ninja way. He's like, okay, Naruto, but you ain't had no time skip yet. If that's your choice, I'll respect it, but I'm going to transam the shit out of you now. <laughs> but I'm going to play like I've got a brain. Well, to be fair, I think is what Riku wants. Riku is not like, uh, no, what, no, no transam 30 minutes. <laughs> Riku tries to do the anime thing where he sees the blow coming and manages to dodge a, a slash from behind. And he nearly gets him on like a return a sweep. sweep kick. Oh, I thought he I'm not sure if he actually him. was supposed to have caught him or not. Yeah, I read it as he caught him, but Ogre... Yeah, it's hard to tell from the angle if he caught him or if Ogre adjusted. Yeah. 
Ogre seems concerned by it, and Riku turns, shoots his grappling hook, which wraps around Ogre's arm, and he's like, oh, he's sinking his teeth into my Trans Am, seeing the gooey caramel center. <laughs> yeah, and it does kind of reinforce, because Riku, like, gets up and is, like, flying above him, and uh, Ogre looks up and is, like, just got this big shit-eating grin on his face. So it really reinforces that idea of, like, he's just, I want to fight somebody who's good. It also reinforces how much of an advantage the Trans Am is, because he goes from under Riku on the ground to instantly above him in the air. <laughs> and he gets a good blow with both hands overhead. It's a very Dragon Ball Z move. It, it very much is. It's right out of Vegeta's playbook. I, I'm actually pretty sure this scene shows up. I think it's Cell versus Vegeta. I think this exact still is in there. The double-O diver ace hits the iceberg with impact that must destroy it, but Riki's fine because it's anime. It, it creates a crater in the same vein as Dragon Ball Z. And Ogre's like, let me taste something meteor, and he comes down for him. But then, tentacle rape. And Ogre's like, no, this is not my fetish. I'm into Vor. What is going on? <laughs> and Riki is also like, hey, what's going on? And Doji's gumpla has become an octopus. It's got all the tentacles. Meanwhile, Ayami is almost here. She magnifies and enhances. So I was thinking all the break decals cause transformations of some sort, but mostly we've had already transforming Gundams have them. Actually, I don't think any of them have caused transformations yet. There's the one in Shariar. Uh, yeah, I guess Shariar's, but all the other ones didn't cause transformations. The Gaia uh, or uh, humanoided. Yes, but again, it's a, it's a mobile suit that can do but that, like, but it did. The Jagans didn't transform. The Dom didn't transform. Okay, that's fair. I forgot about the early ones. The Leo that randomly popped up early on that was maybe a glitch. Yeah, but that wasn't a break decal thing. It was just maybe caused by the break decals, question mark. Yeah, okay, fair. Anyway, it's a raid boss, and Emperor Palpatine calls Ayami. He's like, leave them alone. That Garaga is an important client. And Ayami's like, oh no, my character conflict. I want a friendship, but okay. I want a friendship, but this is my job. Uh, Ogre's like, Doji, how could you? How could you cheat? I think it's more how dare you interrupt, but... I read it as how could you cheat. I, I read it as how dare you cheat, how could you possibly use that? Because it comes right after Riku's statement of a mass diver. That's true. And since we've already kind of seen that Ogre like absolutely hates the whole cheating thing, so for his brother to pop up and be cheating? This is exactly what he said not to do while he was drinking sake. That's unappetizing. But he's like, no, bro, it's not what you think. And I think this reply is why I think he's like, why would you interfere? He's like, the Garaga isn't obeying my control. It's just tentacling. And Palpatine smirks. And then we get lightning and typhoons and tornadoes breaking the world. Because cheating. Sarah and Maggie are like, whoa, dude. <laughs> Maggie's like, holy shit, this is bad. And Sarah's like... Dude, those brownies. <laughs> that was the good <laughs> shit. I should do it again. I really wish Sarah was just like a stoner with a bad home life. We spent all her time in GBN. That would be interesting to explore too. <laughs> Who couldn't actually afford a Gunpla so she doesn't have one. You can't build Gunpla high. Everyone knows that. I think you can probably build it high. It's just probably not going to look too great. Why is the head attached to the knee? So IMA's like, this is pretty bad. This is what is being caused by the shit I'm helping? And Ogre's like, stay out of this, Riku. I, I, it's my brother. I have to take care of this. But he's like, Ogre-san? I mean, it does 
help a little bit to like reinforce Ogre's character of like, this is my mess. I'll clean it up. Again, he does not care about winning. He cares about the contest. And that was interrupted. And he's like, how dare you battle so distastefully? But he can't get into the Garaga. He, he gets past the tentacles, but its arm shields are too strong and blocks it. And he's about to be tentacled in the back when Riku saves him. And he's like, no, Ogre, this is a shonen anime. If you go try to go alone, you'll die. <laughs> you can't do this alone. No, you're a genre. The Garaga's got a chest laser, and it's they're at perfect position for it. And then it starts blasting into the sky, tearing it open like it's fucking Evangelion. And everybody else on the field is like, what the fuck is that? And Ayami's just uh, breaking down, not able to do anything, watching in horror. And the Garaga regenerates all the tentacle blades that Riku cut off. And it's a uh, thing is cracked to look like it's crying as Doji is crying inside. I kind of wish that before we'd gotten some kind of in- indicator that the brake decals could take control because none of the other ones did that. Yeah. I think this is supposed to be explicit escalation. And I think that's part of why he was like, no, don't interrupt. This is important. That's how I take it anyway. Yeah, Palpatine did say that this was an important client. Maybe he wanted to test out a new form of brake decal. Well, the thing is, like, he just said this is an Im- he's an important client. He didn't say, I want to see what's going to happen. Like, he just said it's an important client. So it's, like, more along the lines of, yeah, don't interfere because I don't want him to come back, come yelling at me like the dudes in the Shariar episode did when you got involved. Anyway, because, like, there's still something we can do, even if attacking won't lose. We just have to use a weapon that's also enhanced by the break decal. And Ogre's like, don't tell me what to do! And then Riku does Okay, I'll do it then. (laughs) Fine, I'm just going to use you as a decoy. Which, I mean, that's the right call. Like, if he's going to go in psycho mode, just use him to attract attention. So Yuki uses his signature throw dagger, throwing it right at the gem, which explodes, and then gives Ogre an opening for his little, like, beam fist from the Titus that we saw on his shoulder. He also has it on his fist. So apparently cracking the gem meant that the the shields went away and Ogre and Riku both stab the Kiraga through the chest. I feel like it's weird that Riku is also there. I feel like this should have just been a moment where Ogre did it. But we got to show teamwork, Tyler. It's the theme. And this is like the big moment. Riku can't be uninvolved in the big moment. Yeah. If there's anything we've learned about Gundam Build Divers, it's that it hates when Riku's in the big moment and loves when other characters do it instead. So maybe we should just take what we can get. (laughs) (laughs) But rather than exploding, it just kind of stops. Presumably because this is a mobile suit that has a character with a name. Well, this is always what happens in Gundam when you stop a berserking mobile suit, right? It doesn't explode because the character's inside. I mean, frequently the character dies, but you want them to have a dramatic speech at the end. And Ogre's like, uh, we forfeit. And Riku's like, no, I wanted to fight you. That's why we did all that. That also reinforces the idea that both of them are more concerned with the contest than the win. Because Riku is just horrified that he doesn't get the contest anymore. Yeah, and Ogre's like, oh, this contest was tainted. This doesn't count. We don't deserve a win. On his count, it, it does track with his character. He's like, my guy cheated. Therefore, even if we did win, it shouldn't count. We see the rocket go to space. Yay. Through the one little bit of clear clouds, you know, since rockets can't penetrate clouds. Yeah, didn't you know that, Jeremy? I'm pretty sure that's real life canon. Science, bitch. (laughs) The only thing I wonder about that on the, because they show the the rocket takeoff, does that mean that Ogre just told all of his guys to stand around and wait? Well, I think by saying we forfeit, I think since he's the leader, that's essentially the uh, equivalent of like quitting. Backslash FF? That's how I take it. I mean, that makes sense. 
It's just because right after this, it, it jumps them into like the, the same area where Maggie and Sarah are. <laughs> I love how Ogre and Riku are having a staring contest. Riku's team are like backing Riku. And then you got Doji and the rest of the uh, the Ogre squad over here in the corner. It's, it's Ogre's three friends being like, yeah, Ogre is shitty at emotions, so we got to calm his brother down. And Rose being like, yeah, usually when I smile at boys, they stop crying. I don't know. <laughs> and so like here they're basically having to be like, we tease you, but we didn't mean it. Like Ogre could pick from anybody, but he picked you. Mackinac guy's like, why do you think Ogre picked you? It's because he totally already acknowledges you. It's like, or nepotism. Mostly the nepotism. Although, to be fair, Ogre does not seem like a nepotism enthusiast. Although, I would love to see a home where I would like, okay, you can go to uh, GBN, Ogre, but you have to take your brother with you, <laughs> and you have to be nice to him. You know, the, the thing that you say that, it Im- immediately made me think, like, Ogre out of this game is this super nice, shy guy who doesn't, like, talk to very many people, and then he gets in here and, like, goes whole hog on the roleplay. He's just really into his weird Vore character. So, yeah, his teammates console him while he cries, and he's like, yeah, we all respect you. You didn't even get hit when you were a sitting duck flying through that canyon, remember? We notice you, senpai. And Ogre's like, next time we meet, I'll be whisking you around my mouth, enjoying the feel <laughs> I gently chew into you, noting every texture. <laughs> and Rika's like, okay, you too. You know, it kind of gives the impression that Ogre leaves and his people don't realize that he left. And so Yuki is talking about how it feels like an empty victory, and Koichi's like, yep, that how it be when there's a forfeit. I forgot they actually did show the Ogre leaves, and all of his team are just like, all right, bye. And Maggie's like, ah, oh, whoever's selling break decals much just hate fun and GBN. That's the only reason to spread cheating. No, it's not. You can make good money selling cheating software. That's why so many of them exist. That's the end of the episode. But wait, there's more. It's super important. You know, I kind of wish stuff would stop doing after the credits plot stuff. To be fair to Build Divers, pretty much all of it is just episode preview stuff. It's like teaser stuff. There hasn't been anything that's necessary for the plot, right? Like, you don't see the scene of Doji buying the break decal if you don't watch that, but it's not actually needed, right? True enough. And this is here is just teaser. So we cut to the desert where there be a bunch of broken mobile suits. And Rommel and the champion are... I, I will admit, when I was first watching this scene, because of the way that gun is angled behind the champion, I totally was like, why does he have a sword on his back? <laughs> it's cosplay as Cloud Day. And the champion's like, oh, if only I'd gotten here sooner. I was just wondering how long, like, the remnants of battles lay around on the desert. Like, don't those despawn at some point? I assume this is a glitch. That could be, too. And he's like, was it a mass diver? And Rommel's like, yeah, my guys are noobs. They're not this big of noobs. He's like, I didn't think they were multiplying so rapidly, even though that's been my whole concern the whole entire time. And apparently these were his ace dudes. These were Rommel's main guys. Oh, no, they suffer the minor consequence of losing. Yeah, like, again, if there was actually consequences to losing, like they had to rebuild their gunpla or, you know, got kicked back to the starting land because they died, that would make more sense as to why Rommel's so frustrated or so irritated. To be fair to the show, I'm actually buying into the stakes it's trying to set up. I'm doing it the favor of that. It's still not great. I think the problem ends up being that it's like, it's a plot-driven show, as I've talked about, because we don't get to see Riku make character choices, but also, like, the thing it's most interested in is its setting. Which is why if you read comments from people who like the show, most of them are like, oh, this show is cool. I wish uh, GBN was real. 
because that's the only thing for you to get invested in. I mean, granted, if the uh, if the game was real, it would be a really cool game. Like, I'm not going to deny that. And that's what the show is trying to invest you in, right? Because that's also what's at stake. I guess. Just I guess I'm still thinking along the lines of like Gundam Seed, where the primary concern and the primary like driving force was the two primary characters. And, and even Gundam Wing, which has awful characters, is kind of the same. It's trying to invest you in the mere three of Hiro Yui from the perspective of Rolina. Well, that's because characters are where you get drama. Characters are where you get story. Yes. Characters are the only important thing. Slash agree. Welcome to high school English. But this show is so uninterested in them. It's pretty interested in Ogre. It does a lot of stuff with him. But he's also a character I've seen before, and he's not who I'm rooting for. Or in every episode. Well, Ogre isn't a character I feel like you're supposed to root for. He's one that you're like, okay, I know what his deal is, so I can get I can get invested in what he's doing, but he's not my he's not supposed to be like my lead character or the character I like the most. Right now, we have Ayame and like she's the only one that has been showing up consistently that seems to have something going on. Alright. I kind of said my final thoughts at the beginning, but this episode is so frustrating because it's just a better version of last week's episode. But, like, I find Doji to be really hard to empathize with. He's at least a little bit better because he has, like, big brother idolization. Yeah, and the issues make sense. But, like, also the resolution feels kind of hokey, right? Because it's not his brother who he resolves with. Yeah, his his brother ignores him. Does it ever come up again later? Doji gets a focus episode later, I know. And I'm, I've tried my hardest to push it out of my mind, so I can't remember. <laughs> what exactly comes of it. This is not the last, like, we'll see of him. I think one of the reasons why it's kind of frustrating when it revolves around Doji is because Doji is the first, like, schmuck we ran into. It's like, he was the guy that was trying to take advantage of them right off the bat. So to bring him back here and it's like, you know, hey, look, get get behind this dude and his personal struggle. I'm like, you, the very first thing you did was present this guy as a douchebag. So I'm not really interested in redemption for this dude when he's not actually doing anything for it i think there's a lot of value in taking a character like that and saying okay why is he a douchebag and that's what they're trying to do but it's just like i said the problem is that it's so similar to last week's episode and there's no resolution on it either so yeah anything else you guys want to add i think i pretty much said my piece at the beginning yeah me too i was gonna say i didn't appreciate how frustrating this episode was until we talked about it but yeah it's I don't know. It's disappointing. <laughs> something about it felt familiar. I'm like, something about, like, this isn't a bad episode. Why, like, why does it feel like something, ha- like, why does it feel like I've seen this before? And then talking to you, I'm like, oh yeah, it was because last episode was the same thing. Do you have a high point, Tyler? I will say that I kind of enjoyed Ogre taking Riku's dumb bait and that actually, like, advancing Riku's character. I feel like Riku got one exact frame of facial expression this episode that made me be like, or made me actually think that he was a decent character. So, that fight scene, I guess. Zach? I think I have to go with Ayame's reactions to what's going on. She's like, cause she's starting to look like, what am I doing? Like, I- I'm helping this this dude, but he's a dick. Am I doing the right thing? Yeah, which again is the one thing that carried over from last episode where we see her like starting to get on Riku's side a little bit and her questioning her motivations there in a less intense way. And now things have escalated. Let's see. What's my high point? It's genuinely super hard to think of something. 
Um, I've got a backup for you if you need it. <laughs> shoot, let's see what I think. Uh, Momoka beans stabbed at. That was a genuinely funny joke. It is, but like it's not like high point worthy. Well, um, it's high point worthy for the show. I feel <laughs> Riku making a choice and being like, "Hey, I'll give up this for this." It's a dumb choice, but it is a choice. There, that's a thing. Do you have a low point, Tyler? I was gonna say, aside from the obvious one, actually, kind of how useless the rest of the divers are. Ayame is like intentionally so, so like that's fine. But yeah, the other three might as well not be in this episode. Well, especially because the first fight, they specifically gave them all something to do to like show off how good they are. But like Ayami's ambush failed. Koichi was struggling in a one-on-one. I, like we don't expect much out of Momo, I guess. Momo was doing her best and, and succeeding. She kept the guy tied up. What more do you want from her? Like, well, Yuki when all you're doing is buying time. Yuki didn't, neither, none of them went down. Like yeah, nothing happened fair. on that side. Yuki took a knife to the pauldron. And then I lost my chain of thought. Um, so that, that was my low point, is just how useless they were. <laughs> oh, how about you, Zach? Uh, let me think. There's obviously the low-hanging fruit, but I think I'm going to give that one over to Jeremy since he brought it up initially. I think I might go with the, the launch sequence because it feels like they're padding for time. Like, Because we didn't need to see that again here. They, they could have used that time a little better. I definitely agree. The one redeeming quality is that we get to see Ayami's comfortable enough with them to like do the launch thing, but that's very minor. So obviously mine is that this this episode is just the one before it, and they don't even seem aware of it, and they I seem to have addressed our criticisms in real time, but somehow that makes it worse. <laughs> well, I mean, of course it does, because we just saw this episode. Like, Yes, we gave you pointers on what you should have done to do, to make it better, that didn't mean immediately go out to the next episode and do it again. Like, I wonder how this happened in storyboarding these episodes that basically, like, no one noticed that they were doing the same structure twice. I think they just had two different writers doing it. No one paid attention. I don't think anybody was paying enough attention to care. Go job, showrunner. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, the showrunner's done two way better shows, so it's so weird. Ha. Huh. I don't know what Bill Diver's problem is from an outside looking in level. And I suspect very few people do. You said he did Build Fighter, the second season of Build Fighters. He did Build Fighters Try, and he does Build Dives or uh, Re-Rise. And this is inheriting some problems from Try that are being exasperated. So maybe he just needed Build Divers to realize what his problems were, because they get real rain-backed in Re-Rise. I misunderstood you then, because I thought you um, I thought you were saying that he did two other two better series before this one. No, no. One before this one. Um, and it's got a lot of the same problems, only in a more minor way. All right. So shall we add a mobile suit to our list? Let's. What do we have available? Let's see. We've got all of Ogre's team. Yeah, if we want to do any of those. Um, we've still got the Gundam o- uh, 00 Diver Ace. We've got the RX Zero Maru. I kind of want to wait on that. And we've got Ogre's team. Doji's is the one that makes the most sense to me. I was actually going to say I'm okay with writing the uh, Diver Ace now. I feel like we've seen most of what it can do, aside from doing Trans Am. Yeah, I think it's fine to do that as well. Okay, I'm good with that. I honestly like it less than the Double O uh, Diver, but we didn't rank that. I don't think it's bad. I kind of like the like Sword Wings thing it's go- going on. I actually really don't. Like, it's way too bulky up top. But, like, the backpack, I don't like it nearly as much as the seed backpacks it's based on. Like, I don't like its wings as much as the Destinies. 
the Destiny and other mobile suit we don't have on here. Just like starting with protagonist suits, I don't like it as much as the Ale Strike, which is actually, I think, the lowest protagonist suit we have on here. I think it was like the baseline for a long time. I would agree with that. I don't like it as much as the Ale Strike. I think I also agree with that. Uh, speaking of baselines, for me, the baseline is the dual Gundam, and I actually do like it a little bit more than that. I don't. Like, the huge sword things, like, it's kind of, it's like, yay, look at this, and I'm just like, that is a total mess. You got way too much stuff up on top. It looks, it looks like a, one of those toothpaste tubes, you know, when you get down to the bottom of it, where the, <laughs> the, the bottom is just flat because of how skinny its damn legs are. I don't think its legs look that skinny to me. I, I guess I kind of see what you're saying, but... Compared to the upper body? Holy hell. My problem is actually that the, like, torso looks too skinny in relation to the shoulders. Somebody skipped leg day. That's all I gotta say. Someone skipped leg day. Leg proportions really don't look bad to me, but I kind of agree on the torso. Uh, so where are you coming down? Better or worse than the duel, uh, Tyler? Um, I'm kind of deliberating because the duel's a little plain for me. And, and to me, that's why it's the baseline. <laughs> but the diver <laughs> yeah. is like a little too much for me. So at least the duel feels like it's completely in proportion with itself. Yeah. And that's kind of my problem is like the, the diver ace feels like it's just too much. And I'm not sure if that makes it better or worse because I feel like they have problems in opposite directions. I think I'm going to give it to the diver ace due to the dumb grappling hook swords. Right above the duel, we have the force impulse, which is the standard boring impulse, which I guess is also a main character suit I didn't consider comparing it to. I actually think despite putting it above the duel, I would put it below the force impulse. I think I would put it right between them. I think the only reason why the force impulse is above the duel is is because you guys like it a lot more than I do. I loathe the force impulse. (laughs) So your choice again, Tiger. Tyler. Um, Alternatively, Tiger. (laughs) Face it, Tyler. You just hit the jackpot. I think I prefer the Force Impulse on color scheme and the fact that it's, like, better proportioned. I legitimately like the double o- or uh, the Diver Ace's loadout a bit better, but the color scheme is way better on the Force Impulse. So the double O Diver Ace will go at number 54 above the duel and below the Force Impulse. And that will do it for this week. Join us next week when we will watch episode 10. We're almost halfway there. Coalition of Volunteers. So, Tyler, was this Gundam or was this Isekai? Um, you know, this one I'm actually going to say was pretty Gundam. Zach? I would agree. We have a shitty teenager being theoretically made into a better person. Gundam. Yeah, I guess Doji is a shitty teenager. (laughs) The secret was Doji was the main character all along. He just wasn't involved. (laughs) See you next week, everybody. Bye.